we're going to be continuing in week two of Advent. Now, Advent, I'm really excited about this uh, season, and, and I even want to let you know of a resource that we have available to you, and that is this uh, A Weary World Rejoices. It's a 25-day devotional that the idea is um, like last week when we were in hope, there's five days after that. So the, through each day, there would be a reading that would coincide with the theme that you're going to hear preached on on Sunday morning. And so our prayer is that this would serve you even in your own home, personally, with your family as continuing to meditate uh, on, on what this Advent season means, which is this unique season in the church calendar that's really dedicated to the hopeful anticipation of the arrival of Christ. See, it's this idea that, that we're kind of in this space between the reality of celebration, of the fulfillment of God's promises that Christ has come. He's arrived. What we celebrate in the manger is the fulfillment of these promises, and yet at the same time, there are these remaining longings, these remaining um, waiting that we have for his return. And so we find ourselves in this space in between, both celebrating, but also crying out, come Lord Jesus, come. The, the world is broken, we still see the pain, and so we're still waiting for his return. And so it's in this space, in between these two realities of both celebration and crying out, that I want us to focus this morning on this theme of peace. We, we heard it read as they were lighting the, the second Advent candle from Micah 5, that, that he will be their peace. There's this peace that was promised, and it was desperately needed. Because at the time when Micah wrote this, the nation itself was divided. It's divided in two. There was the north and, and there was the south. When, when they looked at the news, there's wars and, and rumors of wars that are happening outside the boundaries of their country that were threatening to work their way in. There was distress and, and there was hurts and pains and brokenness in their everyday life. And there's this promise that he will be their peace. This promised savior who would not come to a queen, would not come to a, a princess, but would be born to a, a teenage child in a small town. To a, a father who was not a king, not a president, not a politician, but a carpenter. And not in some capital, big city, influential city in the world, but a small, seemingly insignificant town of Bethlehem. That he would be their peace, peace he would bring. And there's this longing for peace that we have. But, but what do we even mean by that? Like what is biblical peace? Because sometimes we can just think of peace as being the absence of, right? Like peace is the absence of war. Peace is the absence of division. And that's all we think of. But in reality, biblical peace is so, so much more. It is the presence of wholeness and harmony. And it's total in its sense. It's this total harmony and wholeness and relationship of love and loyalty with God between mankind and the God who created them between mankind and one another. Complete, absolute harmony and wholeness. 
The kind of wholeness, have you ever said to yourself, like, a part of me died that day? There's parts of our stories that we all feel broken. Sometimes we say, I left a part of my heart in this particular place. There's parts of our story where it feels like there's jagged edges, that there's parts where the bricks, if my life were a wall, have been crushed under the weight of the reality and turned to dust. There are parts of our stories that do not feel whole, but they feel broken. And peace is the restoration to fullness, to wholeness, to harmony. Like harmony, complete and absolute harmony. Like think about this, in the news, politically, Democrats, Republicans, independents, communists, harmony. What if that meant between ethnic groups, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Arab, harmony? not division. What about geopolitically? We think of nations, harmony. Cosmically, when we think about God who created mankind and our relationship with him, harmony. Mankind with God's creation, harmony. This is biblical shalom. But would you even dare to dream of such peace. Like for real. Outside of just the church setting, sitting in a chair, talking about peace at Christmas time. Would you even dare to dream of such peace? Such whole and complete peace, harmony and wholeness, being a reality, peace on earth, Goodwill to men, we sing it, but would we even dare believe it? Would we even dare hope for it? I read the story this week of Henry Woodsworth Longfellow, 1863, Christmas Day. He's sitting at his home in Maine, and he wrote this poem. And this is how it begins. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, their words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Some of us would resonate with that today, wouldn't we? Oh, these songs, and we love the Christmas season. I love the Christmas music. I, I love the declara- decorations. Like, we love this season, and, and, and we recognize that these songs and carols we sing, and, and the themes of them are wild and sweet, and they repeat again and again, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But here's the reality for Henry and for us. The world is broken. For him, it was during the time of the Civil War, the nation as well as Israel back in the day was divided north and south. Warring against itself, seemingly being fractured from within. And he saw this happening. He was grieving the loss of his wife who two years prior had just passed. His eldest son had been severely wounded in the the war. 
And here he is, sitting at home in Maine, hearing the Christmas bells, saying, oh, they're wild and sweet. They're so familiar. I've heard them again and again and again. But then the poem continues. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I feel that. We hear peace on earth, goodwill to men, but we read news of Russia invading Ukraine. We, we say there's no peace on earth. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Where is there peace on earth? For hate is strong and it mocks the song. of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so it's here, in this moment, in this season, of this space between celebrating the birth of Christ and continuing to cry out for his return, when we feel the despair, when we feel the hatred, when we feel the divisions in the world, and we say, I sing these glorious truths of peace on earth, goodwill to men, but I see its brokenness as well. And it's here that our hearts are returned to hope in what God declares to be true. And the poem continues. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Do you hear the resounding, the building of what's happening here, of the promises that were spoken, the despair that is felt, and yet lifting the eyes above what is seen before our eyes to the hope that we have in God. He is not dead. And he does not sleep. Wrong will fail. Despair will pass in peace, will prevail in Jesus Christ. There is hope. What I want us to hear this morning is there is hope in our waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. In this space between celebration and crying out, there is hope. And it is a hope filled waiting for the reality of the peace that we have in Jesus Christ. See, in the passage you heard this morning in Micah chapter 5, the context, there's two verses I want to read, and both are in the same context. The divisions, north, south, wars, outside, threatening to come inside, this brokenness, they would have at the same time hung their head in despairs and says, hate is strong and it mocks your song. Micah then says, but there is one, I'm telling you, there is one who will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord. And in the majestic name of the Lord, his God, they will live securely for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. He will be their peace. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. 
would go on to prophesy, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. But why are these two passages so important to me? They were written 700 years before the prophecies were fulfilled. Think about this for a moment. 700 years, where we stand now, right in this space between promises fulfilled, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, and yet continuing to cry out, this space in between in which we stand this morning, they stood on the other side of the fulfillment of those promises by 700 years 700 years, the generations upon generations upon generations that waited and did not see their fulfillment. All I see is no peace on earth, God. Hate is strong and it mocks your song. It mocks your promises, God. You said there would be one. How much longer? Have you forgotten are your, do your promises mean nothing? Will they not be fulfilled? Where is their peace on earth? Where is their goodwill to men? I don't see it. For 700 years. Who is this son who will be born in Bethlehem? When will we see his face? But all they had to hold on to were the promises of God. Until that fateful night, after a decree had been made that everyone would return to their hometown, and Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem. And on that night, she gave birth to a son, and angels sang, shepherds came, and a child was born and wrapped in cloth named Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. Jesus is the promised child born in Bethlehem. Promises fulfilled. He is the ruler over Israel. Promises fulfilled. He is the one from ancient of times that was promised fulfilled. He is the one who carries the government on his shoulders, promises fulfilled. Jesus is the wonderful counselor, promises fulfilled. He is the prince of peace, promises fulfilled. He is the shepherd, promises fulfilled. Jesus is our promised peace. This is what I want us to hear, to hold this morning in this space between celebration and crying out. Jesus is our promised peace. Why is this so important? Because God is faithful in our waiting. Just as he was faithful in their waiting, he's faithful in our waiting today in this space between celebration and crying out, he remains faithful. And so we hold on to a peace. 
Now here's the reality. Here was my reality leading up even to this week, to this moment. On Monday of last week, I, I studied for, began the study for today's message. Reminded of what peace is. Not just the absence of war and division, but the presence, the fullness of harmony and wholeness. Right, I have this picture in my mind of this peace of God that makes all things right in a broken world. This beautiful picture that seems to just seep and saturate into every broken fabric that we see in the world. That's what I had in my mind. My heart was in a different place. Because see, my mom was scheduled for her MRI. It's an annual occurrence to measure the growth of the brain tumor she has. My dad has returned to the hospital in which I'm still getting texts this morning because of his congestive heart failure and kidney disease. And so I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm like, really God? I understand the truth of your peace and I feel none of it. Like, what do I do with that? Like, what do I stand up and say? How can I stand up and proclaim the beauty of, of your peace when I'm sitting here in this brokenness? What do I say? And not just be a complete fake. And I was kind of frustrated that I happened to be in peace for this week. Of course, God in his kindness and providence had me right where he needed me. And this is where I've been. Here's what I've realized. It's not like new information. Have you ever realized that? Like sometimes it's like, wow, I never knew that. It's the right information at the right time being reminded of the right thing at the right time. And what I was reminded of is that peace, it's not some object that we obtain. See, it, peace isn't some like state of being that, that we achieve. Peace is a person. Peace is the person of Jesus Christ. That's how scripture talks about it. He will be their peace. In Ephesians 2, it says this in the New Testament for us. Let this just grip our hearts for a moment. What is it that we're seeking after? What is it that we want, that we need in the midst of our de despair? When we hang our heads and we say hate is strong and it mocks your song, God, and we want to sit in the darkness of our own reality. And yet hope leads us into what biblical peace is. And it says in Ephesians 2, for he is our peace. 
He doesn't just give us peace. It's not just this state of being. It's not something that he hands to us. It is himself in the fullness that this is described in because it says there's like two different kinds of people for those who were originally reading this. There were Jews and there were Gentiles and there's divisions. There's this kind of person and that kind of person. And look at all the ways that we fracture society into all these different ways. And it says he is our peace. And he made both groups one, Jesus tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh, in his flesh, so that he might create in himself one new man from two, resulting in peace. And listen to this. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. The hostility, the divisions between mankind, the, the, the divisions between ethnicities, the, the divisions between nations, the divisions that we make up politically, the divisions between nations, the disharmony, the brokenness, he put it all to death. He stood in the gap in what divides us. And he laid down his life. He is our peace that was purchased with his blood as he died on the cross. He came, Jesus came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you, you who were far off and you were who, who were near. This is what peace is. It is Jesus Christ and this is what he has done. And then he applies the healing balm of this gospel of peace to our lives today in this moment, in this space. When I'm sitting at my desk, not feeling the peace that I'm reading about in scripture. And what I'm reminded of today and what I pray you are reminded of today, to hear the bells more loud and deep God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Death has been defeated. The righteous will prevail. There is peace on earth. Good will to men. Because Jesus Christ has come. And in this moment, though brokenness exists, though despair exists, though I still grieve the brokenness of the world we are in, I have a hope that is real and personal and present as I wait. This is the hope. This is what it says in Philippians, peace and the peace of God. It surpasses understanding. Who can even understand it? If scripture says this, and I know I don't have any hope of trying to like make peace clear for any of us, it's going to surpass all of our understandings, but it guards our hearts. It guards our minds in Christ Jesus. So when my mind wants me to doubt the biblical truth of peace, God will help protect my mind. And when my heart wants to be given to despair and hopelessness, the peace of God will guard my heart in Christ Jesus because he is present with us. Do you dare to hope for peace this Christmas season? Charles Spurgeon says this. I love this quote. 
Our longest sorrows have an ending. And there is a bottom to the profoundest depths of our misery. Our winter shall not frown forever. Summer shall soon smile. The tide shall not eternally ebb out. The floods must retrace their march. The night shall not hang its darkness forever over our souls. The sun shall yet arise with healing beneath its wings. This is the hope we have because Christ was faithful and will be faithful. The longing, the despair will not be forever. And in this space in between, celebration and crying out, we are reminded that God entered our broken world. He entered our broken world as a child born in a manger. He entered the space of our despair. He confronted the world's hate. He entered into that space of the divisions that seek to divide us. And he became our peace. Today. Now. And then he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. It's because Jesus Christ is our peace that a weary world rejoices. Let's pray.